Golgotha, pictures of the cross in the Old Testament. And this is week, I think, 42 or something like that, where we have been um, just going through all the different pictures of the cross in the Old Testament. Last week, we closed five weeks from Psalm 22. And now we have moved on to Psalm 40. This is pretty good. I, I just enjoyed myself so much studying this. So I hope it's going to be a blessing to you as well. Amen? So we're going to read two verses, actually three verses from, uh, from Psalm 40. If you have your notes, I'm going to read that to us. Uh, follow up with me. Here is what David said in the Old Testament in Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8. He's talking to God and he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burned offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. Amen? Amen? That last verse right here, verse 8, is the one that I hope you all can meditate on and, and memorize this week. I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. In that psalm, David um, spoke about, if you read that psalm and try to break it down, what is David talking about? In verse 1 to 5, generally, you're going to see that David was expressing his gratitude to God for his past deliverances, what God has already done in his life. And then David moves on to these two verses, three verses that we were just reading together, verse 6, 7, and 8, where David is expressing his devotion, his willingness to serve God. And he said, God, I know that the sacrifices that we offer to you, that you commanded even in, by Moses in the book of Leviticus and throughout the Old Testament, this is not really what you like. You really have, you'd really rather us to be fully devoted to you. And that's why he said, God, I want to do your will. I delight to do your will. Amen. So in these three verses, David in the Old Testament was just expressing his devotion to serve God. Then he moved on verses 9 to 10. He was recalling uh, his own righteousness in the past, how he walked before the Lord uh, in a bright manner. And then verses 11 to 17, uh, David cries out to God for deliverance from his enemies, from his current situation. So this is pretty much the outlines of the psalm. Amen? Amen. Now, it's interesting because if you read that psalm, but if you're a Jew, you read that psalm, you probably don't make much of it. But... The, in the New Testament, the author of Hebrews quoted that psalm, quoted that exact three verses, and he applied it to Christ, to his death on the cross for us. And in these three verses, you'll see a wonderful shadow of, of the cross that Jesus died for, um, died on it for us. Amen. We have seen in Psalm 22 that Jesus was our sin offering, right? He's the one who was forsaken by God, punished by God. Uh, suffering on our behalf so he can be our sin bearer so this way we can be saved we can come to know the Lord amen, amen. in Psalm 40 right here in these three verses we're gonna see a picture of Christ who is our burned offering the one who will give himself freely to God and the byproduct of that is that we will be saved amen but it, we see in that psalm the full devotion of Christ to the Father so much so that he was even willing to endure the cross just to please the Father. Amen? Amen. If you're not familiar with these offerings, I encourage you to go to our website, listen to the sermons we preach about these offerings. It's going to bless you if you haven't listened to that before. Amen? Amen. So 
We're going to see in this psalm, in these three verses, a picture of Christ being not a sin offering, but the burned offering. And these exact three verses was actually quoted in the New Testament by the author of Hebrews. And he directly applied that to Christ, to his incarnation, and his death on the cross for us. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to read the context for you so you can know where exactly these verses was quoted. We're going to read for Hebrews 10, 4 to 10. So we're going to read six verses from Hebrews. And here is what the author of Hebrews is saying. Look at this, verse 4. For, would, for it, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Amen? So in that verse right here, the author of Hebrews is talking about the Old Testament sacrificial system. And he's saying that Old Testament sacrificial system was not really the way by which we can obtain forgiveness. For it is impossible that the limited efficiency of a blood of an animal can atone for the sin of man. Amen? And to confirm that, to, to give us some evidence that this is real, he started quoting that part from Psalm 40. And he said in verse 5, Therefore, do you see that word? Therefore, what does that mean? That means what he's going to say now is based on what he was just saying earlier. Amen? Therefore, to prove that it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin. Therefore, when he, Christ, came into the world, when he was incarnating and becoming a man like you and me, he said, Christ said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burned offering and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the books. It is written of me to do your will, O God. So the author of Hebrews put these exact words that David said in the Old Testament on the tongue of Christ. Amen. And he said, well, yeah, David said it, but it actually it's Christ who actually was saying these words when he became human for you and me. So he can go to the cross to die for us. Amen. And then the author of Hebrews starts his own commentary on that verse from, from Psalm 40. And he said, previously saying, sacrifices and, off, sacrifices and offering, burnt offerings and offering for sins you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And then he said, the author of Hebrews, he takes away the first that he may establish the second. And then verse 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ. How many times? Once and for all. Amen? Amen. So, in order to understand how Psalm 40, these two or three verses in Psalm 40, is a shadow of Golgotha, a picture of Jesus dying for us on the cross, a prophecy about that, we're going to try to study two things today. Okay? We're going to try to understand the author of Hebrews' interpretation of Psalm 40. How the author of Hebrews understood these three verses in Psalm 40. Amen? And then we're going to talk about the author of Hebrews' commentary on these three verses. His sermon that he preached on these three verses. Amen? Amen. I figured if I'm going to preach from Psalm 40, why should I come up with a new message. I'll just go ahead and take his own, uh, the author of Hebrews' own message. Amen? So let's see what he said about that. So you guys follow me so far? Amen. We're going to talk about two major points here. We're going to talk about the author of Hebrews' interpretation of Psalm 40 and then the author of Hebrews' commentary on Psalm 40 verses 6 to 8. Let's start with the interpretation. If you 
put the words of Psalm 40 verses 6 to 8 side to side with that Hebrews 10, 5 to 7, the exact same quote. You're going to see there's some differences. There's three major ones and a couple of minor ones that won't really make any difference. So we're not going to worry about the minor ones. Let's just focus on the major differences that we see of how the author of Hebrews quoted Psalm 40. Okay? Now we're talking about his interpretation, how he understood that psalm. The first part, actually, let's, I'll read Psalm 40 with you guys. Let's do it together, okay? Psalm 46 to 8, we'll read it again. Sacrifices and offering you did not desire. If you read in Hebrews 10, 5, therefore, when he came to the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. So that first part is identical. You guys follow me so far? Did I lose you or you're with me? You're with me? All right. Now let's move to the second part. It says in Psalm 40, my ears you have opened. But look how the author of Hebrews quoted that part. He said, what? Help me. But a body you have prepared for me. You guys follow me? All right. So he changed that part, right? Then it says in Psalm 40, we're going back. We're comparing these two texts together. Burn the offering and sin offering you did not require. How did the author of Hebrews quoted that? He said, Verse 6, in burned offering, right? Or no? In burned offerings, plural, right? And how many sacrifice? Sacrifices of sin. Do you see what's going on here? The author of Hebrews substitute the singular uh, offering and sacrifice from Psalm 40, verse 6, with plural sacrifices and offerings when he quoted in Hebrews 10, 6. You guys follow me so far? So, so far we have two major changes. You guys with me? Yes. Okay, the first one, the, 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 the number one change is that he substituted, my ears you have opened with, you have prepared a body for me. Amen? And number two, he substituted the singular sacrifice and offering with the plural sacrifices and offerings. Amen? And then everything after that goes almost identical till we get to the last part. If you go to verse 8 in Psalm 40, it says, I delight to do your will, O my God. How did the author of Hebrews quoted that part? He said, to do your will, my God. So he's changed it a little bit. He took the word delight out and he took the word my God out. He took the word my out. You guys follow me? The last part of verse 8, he didn't quote at all. And he did a couple of other minor things. But none of them is really relevant to the meaning or the understanding except of these three parts. You guys follow me? So we see that there are three major... Uh, Changes that the author of Hebrews has done to the Old Testament text. Obviously, this was done under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen? This is, the Bible said that the men of God, they all spoke, but they were not spoke of themselves. They all were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit guided the author of Hebrews to understand that three verses from Psalm 40 in, in slightly a different manner. So let's talk about that. Why there is differences? Why he quoted these three differences between Psalm 40 and um, Hebrews 10. You guys with me so far, correct? All right, let's start with number one. What did he substitute? You have opened my ears with, you have prepared a body for me. Well, I told you guys so many times before about a translation, the Greek translation of the Hebrew text that is called the what? The Septuagint. This is how some Jewish scholars translated the Old Testament to Greek before Christ. So when Christ came and the disciples came, that Septuagint was pretty much their own Bible that they used and they quoted. 
And if you go to the Septuagint, the Greek translation to the Hebrew text before Christ, you'll find that there are some manuscripts that has the word, you have opened my ears, and some other manuscripts has the words, you have prepared a body for me. Okay, so there's two things here that can possibly happen. Why the author of Hebrews substituted my ears you have opened with you have prepared a body for me. Amen. The first scenario is that he just directly quoted some of the manuscript of the Septuagint that actually has you have prepared a body for me. Okay, so he either directly quoted it. Or option number two is that he followed the same thought process that some of the translators of the Septuagint used to substitute my ears you have opened with you have prepared a body for me. Okay, so what is that thought process? Why would any translator, whether it's the author of Hebrews himself or some of the Jewish scholars before Christianity, would replace my ear you have opened with you have prepared a body for me? We see the reason for that back, way back actually in, in Exodus 21, 1 to 6. Where God actually um, gave, in, gave a law to, to the Israelites, to the nation of Israel on how they should deal with a Hebrew slave. Okay, So God said, if you have a, a Jewish Hebrew slave, one of your brethren, who runs out of money and he sells himself to you and he's going to be your servant, you cannot enslave him forever. Amen? You get you only he only serves you six years and then you release him on the seventh year, right? We talked about that when we talked about the year of Jubilee. You release him on the seventh year. Now, God said a couple of things here. If 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 this guy was married with kids when he became so poor and he started to serve you, then after six years on the seventh years, you let him go with his wife and his kids, right? Now, if he became your slave and he was single, and you give him a wife, you're his master, give him a wife, and he has children, this wife is the master's, and the children kind of still the master's, so after six years, the guy is free to go, but the wife and the kids remain with the master. I don't think the slave is obligated to marry or anything like that, but if the slave is choosing to marry the wife that his master uh, gives to him, and he has children from that lady that the master gave to him, then... After six years, the slave can go free, but the wife and the kids still remain in the servitude for the Hebrew master. Amen? Now, if the slave comes after six years and said, oh, you know what? I love my master. This guy is so good to me, right? And I love my wife and I love my kids. And I don't want to go free. I want to serve this guy for the rest of my life because I love my wife. I love my kids. I don't want to go nowhere. Then the master will take that slave and pierce his ear. And whenever he pierces his ear, this will be a mark that this guy had chose to serve his master for the rest of his life. Amen? So that pierced ear is a mark that, that this slave chose to, to love and serve his master as long as he lives. Amen? I think we see that very clearly in, in Exodus 21 verse 6. I'm going to read that to you guys. Then his master shall bring him to the judges... Um, he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an owl and he shall serve him for how long? Forever. So in the, in the Hebrew society in the Old Testament, if you see a guy walking around with a pierced ear, that means this guy chose to serve his master for as long as he lives, right? And in a way, that might have 
happened, the thought process, when, when, when Jesus became human like you and me, when he chose to take upon himself a form of a man to go and die on the cross to be the burned offering and, and, and please the Father once and for all, in a way that flesh that he took upon himself was the mark that he has chosen to serve God. Amen? Just like the pierced ear in the Old Testament is the mark that the servant has chosen to serve his master, so the flesh that Christ, the Son of God, when he became human being like you and me, this is a mark too that he has willingly accepted to serve God and to obey him even to the point of death, the death of the cross. You guys follow me? So whether that's actually, this is, I believe, what the Jewish scholars, even before Christianity, understood why they would substitute, pierce my ear with prepare the body. Because the idea is, this is the mark that I'm going to serve this master forever. It's like I am, I am indebted to him, I love him, and I'm going to serve him as long as I live. Amen? Whether the author of Hebrews changed that himself... To make it more applicable to Christ, it's plausible. Whether he just copied the Septuagint, that the manuscripts in the Septuagint that changed that, that's also plausible. Either way, the meaning does not change. Amen? When Christ came into the world, he said, God, I know that you're not pleased. This is what the psalmist said, that now the author of Hebrews say, Christ said. Sacrifices and offering, you really don't care much for, you care about me coming to do your will and I'm willing to do it so much so that I'm willing to have a flesh on my, take upon myself a human flesh so I can go to the cross to provide salvation for the failing mankind. Amen? Amen. And that's very important. This is very cool because remember how in that text the author of Hebrews is comparing the sacrifices of the Old Testament with the sacrifice of Christ, right? So in a way he's also trying to tell us something else. The sacrifices of the Old Testament, who provided these sacrifices? Man, right? The man who sinned, bring the sacrifice to God. But when Jesus came to fulfill our salvation and be the ultimate sacrifice, who has provided that body for Christ that he might die on the cross for us? What does the psalmist say? You have God, you have prepared a body for me. Amen. So in a way, the author of Hebrews is also trying to tell us that the sacrifice of Christ is far more superior than any sacrifice of the Old Testament because it was not man-made, it was not man-provided, it was provided by God himself. Amen. So this is why he has changed the first part from you have pierced my ear to you have prepared a body for me. The second point is he changed again the singular offering and sacrifice in the Old Testament with the plural sacrifices and offering in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Amen? Amen. Why? I think the author of Hebrews again is trying to draw our attention to the superiority of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Amen? So he's reminding us that in the Old Testament there were sacrifices every day, sacrifices every feast, sacrifices every day of atonement. There was many sacrifices every day. But remember what he said in verse 4? It was impossible, right? For the blood of goats and bulls to take away sins, right? That's why he switched it to plural to, to bring that point home and make us even think more of how the sacrifice of Christ are far more superior because Jesus did not need to offer himself multiple times to take away our sins. Amen? Amen. He offered himself once and for all because his sacrifice is sufficient and all the sacrifices of the Old Testament put together aren't sufficient. Amen? So that's the second port, that's the second change. The third change is he changed 
I delight to do your will, my God, too. Just restrain to do your will, God. Right? That's how he did it, right? And when he did that, in a way, what the author of Hebrews is trying to make us um, think about that, his own interpretation of that is this. Let's go back and look in Hebrews 10, all right? If you look back with me to Hebrews 10, if the author of Hebrews say, okay, this is dead. Okay, if the author of Hebrews said, look at the song, actually, let's go back to the song. I delight to do your will, oh my God, right? So, what is the reason, according to the psalmist of David, wanting to do the will of God? It's because David delights in doing the will of God, right? David desires to do the will of God, right? So he say, I delight to do it. It brings me so much joy to do your will, oh my God, right? But look at the Hebrew trans- interpretation of that part. He said, verse 7, let's read the whole verse together. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, oh God. So by taking the word delight out, the author of Hebrews makes us think that he want to tell us that doing the will of God here, it is not just a matter of personal delight of Christ, but it's a matter of fulfilling what has already been written about him in the volume of the books. What he just said right before that, right? Says verse 7 here, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. In other words, the author of Hebrews was trying to tell us that when Jesus came to die for us on the cross, he came because it was written, it was prophesied about him, and he just came to fulfill every single prophecy that was written about him in the past. You guys see the switch and why he did it? Okay, good so far? Clear like mud? Okay. (laughs) So we talked about the text in the Old Testament, how the author of Hebrews is quoted in the New Testament, and why under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he made some minor changes. Uh, Notice, none of this really affects the meaning of what David was trying to say, right? Nothing here is not coming up with new theology. But he applied that to Christ, and therefore he just made it so much more amazing and so much more interesting. Amen? Now, Look with me one last time here before we move on to, I think it's verse 5. Verse 5 says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said. Amen. So, when he came into the world, he's talking about Christ incarnating in the form of human being to fulfill the plan of salvation, right? So, in other words, the author of, of, uh, the author of Hebrews, taking that text from, from Psalm 46 to 8 and applying that directly to both the incarnation and the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. You see that? So the phrase, when he came into the world, is a prophecy about the incarnation of Christ. So the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, the Old Testament also speaks that Christ will come, became human, to die for us on the cross. Amen? Amen. Sorry, yes. So, we, we're going to start on point number two here, the author of Hebrews commentary. Um, we, page three, in the middle. Okay? You're fine, no worries, no worries. You guys follow me so far? So now we just finished the author of Hebrews' interpretation of Psalm 40, how he understood it and the changes that he made it and why he has made that. Now, we're going to try to speak about his sermon, what he com- how he commented on that psalm. 
Remember the context of why he quoted Psalm 40, verse 4. What it says in Hebrews 10, 4. It was impossible that the blood of goats and bulls would take away sin, right? So this is the context of why he's quoting Psalm 40. Because he want to emphasize that point that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament is absolutely insufficient, right? And he quoted Psalm 40 here, verse 6 to 8, to support that point that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament will never be able to bring us to God. But what will bring us to God? It is the sacrifice of Christ that he has accomplished on the cross. Amen? And the author of Hebrews kind of like highlighted four things, four reasons why even in that psalm, in the Old Testament, we see that the Old Testament sacrificial system is insufficient. And it's only the sufficiency and the efficiency of the blood of Jesus on the cross that will be good enough for us to obtain salvation. Amen? So he looked into that two, three verses in the Old Testament and he gave us. He commented on these verses and gave us four reasons from that very song why the blood of Jesus is good and enough and the blood of the sacrifices of the Old Testament is it. Amen? You guys follow me? Alright. The number one reason, because the sacrifices of the Old Testament was nev- were never the desire of God. And number two reason, because even in the Old Testament, we see God intended to replace the Old Testament sacrificial system with the sacrifice of Christ. Amen? And number three, because even in the Old Testament, we see that the cross was God's eternal will from all beginning of of eternity till the end of eternity. The cross was the center of the will of God for the fallen human race. Amen? And number four, because the Old Testament sacrifices were insufficient, but the sacrifice of Christ insufficient. So he looks into that psalm and he comes up with, breaks it down to us and gives us these four reasons why the blood of sacrifices of the Old Testament is not sufficient, but the blood of Christ is sufficient. Amen? Let's, uh, let's say it together. You guys follow me? Number one, because the sacrifices of the Old Testament was never the desire of God. Amen? It's not really what he wanted to start with. Number two, because even in the Old Testament, we'll see that God wanted to replace that Old Testament sacrificial system with the sacrifice of Christ in the New Testament. Amen? And number three, because we see even in the Old Testament that the cross, the cross is the will of God from all eternity till all eternity. Amen? And number four, because we're going to see it that even in the Old Testament, we see that these sacrifices was not sufficient and we need to look forward to something that is sufficient which is the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's start talking about these four points. Number one, because it was never the desire of God to have this Old Testament sacrificial system. Psalm 40 verse 6, what does it say? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Burned offering and sin offering you did not require. This is not New Testament. You guys follow me? This is not a scripture from the New Testament. This is a scripture from the Old Testament. Under that covenant, God demanded sacrifices and offering, but we see it over and over and over again, even in the Old Testament, that these sacrifices is not good enough. Amen? Amen. We see the first incidence of that right here in Psalm 40 verse 6. Amen? I'll show you a couple of other incidences in the Old Testament where the sacrifices of the Old Testament, even while the people offered it to God, they know that it's not good enough. 
The second incident in Isaiah 1.11. Now God himself is speaking to the people. And he said, I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. So God point blank, God himself in the Old Testament has told us that he does not delight in the blood of sacrifices. Amen? Isaiah 1.11. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Now Samuel is, is talking, I think he was talking to Saul, the king at that time. And he's asking him and he said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of God? Obviously that's a rhetorical question, right? What Samuel is telling Saul at that time is God doesn't care about the sacrifices you offer him. God cares about you obeying him. Amen? And maybe that has also something to do with David saying, you have opened my ear. Because David is saying, I'd rather obey God through hearing his voice with my ear than the actual sacrifices. Amen? But he's saying, Samuel is saying, David, God doesn't care about the sacrifices you're doing. God cares about you obeying him. Amen? Psalm 51 verse 6. Now David has sinned against God. Look at how he prays to God. And he said in Psalm 51 verse 6, you do not what? Desire sacrifice. Or else I would have given you not delight in the burned offering. So four incidents so far. Psalm 40, Psalm 51, 40 Samuel 15, and Isaiah 1. We see over and over again from the mouth of God and from the mouth of His prophets that He really doesn't desire these sacrifices. Amen? So why would God command it in the Old Testament? God gave clear instructions that if somebody said you have to bring a sacrifice. So if God doesn't really care for it, why would he command it in the Old Testament? Right? Because God wanted to teach us a lesson that without the shedding of blood, there is absolutely no remission of sin. Amen? God wanted to teach us that every time a sin is committed, there must be blood to atone for that sin. Amen? And in a way, God is just trying to show us in a practical way the wages and the penalty of our sins. He's given us a type, a picture of a shadow of what is about to come when Jesus actually comes from heaven and died on the cross and shed his brush blood for us so that his blood will be enough to atone for our sins before a holy and a righteous God. Amen? Amen. So it's kind of like this. God, like when I'm trying to talk to Micah and I'm using an illustration of, or trying to use an analogy with him, that's precisely what God was talking, doing to us. Amen? He really doesn't care for the blood of the sacrifices. He's just trying to make us understand that without the shedding of blood, there is absolutely no remission of sin. Amen? So he let us use the sacrificial system of the Old Testament as a shadow of Christ who's about to come and shed his blood to be the ultimate atonement for our sins. Amen? Amen. That's why the author of Hebrews, he highlighted the words, you don't desire, you don't require from Psalm 40 to drive a point home to you and me that the blood of the sacrifices of the Old Testament is never even desired by God. Amen? But not only that, the author of Hebrews is also, now he's emphasizing over and over and over again how the blood of Jesus is, is, is sufficient and enough, but the sacrifices isn't, right? So look at this. Now he noticed also that the sequence of the wording in Psalm 40. If you go back to Psalm 40 verse, four, four, verse 6 to 8, in the beginning it says that God doesn't care, does not desire um, sacrifices and offering, right? 
And then after that, after David said in Psalm 40 that God does not desire in sacrifices and offering, David said, you really desire obedience. That's why you have prepared a body for me. And that's why I come to do your will, oh my God. Amen. The author of Hebrews points to the sequence of these events. So he says in verses 10, 8 to 9, Hebrews 10, verses 8 to 9. Look at this. Previously saying, notice what he's doing here. He's pointing out the sequence of the wording in Psalm 40. You guys follow me? He says, previously saying, sacrifices and offering you did not desire, nor have pleasure in them. Then he said, this is what the author of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 9. Then he said, behold, I come to do your will, O God. And then what does the author of Hebrews commenting? What's his sermon on this part? Here is what he says. He takes away the first, which is the sacrificial system to establish the second, which is the will of God that Jesus will die on the cross for us. You guys follow what he's trying to tell us? Yes. You see that? This is a good sermon, I tell you. If I was listening to him preaching, I would be really happy. Amen? This is a good sermon from Psalm 40 that the author of Hebrews preached to us under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So number one, God never desired the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Number two, that even in the Old Testament, we see that the very intentions of God has always been to replace and substitute that insufficient sacrificial system of the Old Testament with the perfect and complete sacrifice of Christ that he has done for us on the cross. Amen? Amen. And we see that as a common theme throughout the book of Hebrews. Over and over and over again, the author of Hebrews tells us that the Old Testament way of approaching God through doing righteous works, through trying to please him, through offering sacrifices that you can bring to God, this system is done, is obsolete. Now we are under a new covenant and a new system that it doesn't require our works to please God. It only requires the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus that was shed on us for on the cross. That's all what it takes for God to be pleased with us. Amen? Amen. We see here in Hebrews 10 that the, the sacrificial, the system itself has been replaced with a new system, right? In Hebrews 7, right before that, he's talking about the law and he's saying the law is the commandment of God. The requirement that you have to strive to please God. Look what he says in Hebrews 7, 18 to 19. There is an annulling. It has been annulled. The requirement of the law has become ineffective, not required anymore. Amen? There has been an annulling of the former commandment because of its what? Weakness and unprofitness. Unprofitability. So he's saying that the, the system of the Old Testament has been annulled, declared void, insufficient, unrequired. Why? Because it's ineffective and not profitable. Amen? Amen. And then also right before, we're reading from Hebrews 10, right? In Hebrews 9, he tells us that, and apologize, in Hebrews 8, he tells us that even the old covenant has been replaced. Mike, you're with me? You're with me? That even the Old Testament has been replaced, the old covenant has been replaced with the new covenant. 
look what it says here in, in Hebrews 8.13. He has made the first, the first covenant, the old covenant, obsolete. And now that it has becoming obsolete and growing old, it is ready to vanish away. Amen? That means the old system of pleasing God, that you have to work to please Him. This has been done away with. We don't have to work anymore. But now by the grace of God, the power of God will come into your heart. And He will make you a brand new creation because of the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And not only that, before he closes the, the whole book, he tells us the whole foundation of the kingdom of God has also been changed. In Hebrews 12, 27, it says this, of his, the author of God is speaking of the removal of those things that are being shaken, which is the Old Testament is sufficient basis of the kingdom of God. As of things as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So he's telling us that God has replaced the foundations of his very kingdom that used to be shaking foundation in the Old Testament with the new unshakable foundations in the New Testament. Amen? The covenant has been obsolete. The commandments of the law has been annulled. The foundation of God's kingdom has been changed. And the whole system has been replaced by the new system of the sacrifice of Christ. Every method, every way in the Old Testament to try to reach out to God through works has been abolished. And now because of the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus, all what you have to do is just trust and rest in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Amen? Amen. Isn't that what we talked about Hosea before? There's no other message in the Bible. That's the whole point of the scripture. Jesus came. He died on the cross. You don't have to work. Guys, I'm sorry. Mike, I, too noisy. I'm sorry. Be quiet, please. Jesus died on the cross and what he has done is enough. You don't have to strive anymore to please God. Amen? Amen. Yet there are so many people in this world who are still trying to do right by God. And they're still striving to reach Him. They're still trying to reach out to God on the basis of a system that has been abolished. You know how, how hard that can be? Amen? You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. Just trust in the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus. Amen? So that's the second reason. From, he, from, from Psalm 40. That the system has been replaced. God always intended. See? In the Old Testament, not the New Testament, in the Old Testament, the psalmist said that God doesn't care about the sacrifices, but He cares about the cross that is about to take place. Amen? This is not a New Testament theology. It's explained in the New Testament, but it's mainly an Old Testament theology. Amen? Amen. Now, number three. Now, this is all the author of Hebrews' sermon on Psalm 40, right? We're just explaining what he's preaching to us. Amen? Amen. Now, number three. Why, like the author of Hebrews commentary is this. The Old Testament sacrifices system has been replaced because the cross has always been the will of God. Look at this verse 10. Look at what the author of Hebrews said. He said, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ. Look at this. Let's read it together. By this well, we have been sanctified. What is that well that the author of Hebrews is trying to make us think about? It is the offering of the body of Christ. Amen? So David said in Psalm 40, I have come to do your will. Right? The author of Hebrews say, well, these words actually are said by 
Jesus is a prophecy about Christ who has come to do that will of God, right? And then in verse 10, he tells us explicitly what is that will that Jesus has come to accomplish. And what is it? That he can be offered as a sacrifice for our sin once and for all. Amen? Amen. You see, the cross has always been the will of God. This is not New Testament theology. This is Old Testament theology. Amen? Amen. But we see that all over the Bible, over and over and over again, we see that the cross is the will of God. Has been, will always be. Amen? Amen? In John 6, 38, here is what Jesus said. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus is telling us that the very reason he became human being, so that he can do the will of God. What is that will? Later on, in John 12, 27, Jesus tells us which, what is that will. He said about the cross this, but for this hour I have come. See, in John 6, he says, I have come to do the will of God. Amen? And in John 12, he says, I have come for the cross. What, put it together. What does that mean? The cross is the will of God. You guys follow me? The cross has been, will always be the focal point of the will of God for the falling human race. Amen? Matthew 26, 39. Now Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. And what was his prayer? Oh my father, if it's possible, let the cup, the cup of the torture that I'm going to drink on the cross be passing from me. But nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. Did Jesus end up on the cross or not? Yes. Yes. What does that tell you? That the cross is the will of God, right? Because Jesus said, Father, let your will be done. And then he goes to the cross. Therefore, the cross is the will of God for the falling human race. Amen? Amen. You guys with me? Acts 2.23. Now, Peter is preaching. And what does he tell the Israelites in, in the day of Pentecost? He said, him, that is Christ, being delivered by what? Look at this. By the determined purpose and knowledge of God you by lawless hands have crucified and put him to death how does Peter describe the cross and what Jesus has endured on the cross for us it is the not the purpose of God the determined purpose of God and he foreknew about it even before the foundation of the world amen, amen. the cross is the predetermined purpose that God has for the fallen human race amen? amen and Peter didn't leave us there look at this first Peter 1 18 to 20 this is powerful look what he said knowing that you have not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your former fathers but but we have been redeemed with the precious blood as of Christ, the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Look at this. He, Christ, indeed was what? Foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest to us in these last times for you. Amen? What Peter is telling us is this. Christ being the blameless, spotless Lamb of God has been preordained, preordained even before the foundation of the world. Amen? The, Christ, the cross has always been, will always be the center point, the only way for a holy God and sinful man to be reconciled together. Amen? Amen. 
Why don't you do yourself a favor? Quit trying to please God. Just come and take refuge in the cross and in the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen. Number four. Now, again, this is what the author of Hebrews is teaching us from that psalm. Isn't that just amazing? I love it. I love it. All right. Now, let's look at the last reason the author of Hebrews commentary on the Old Testament, his own understanding of the verse. The last reason why Jesus is good enough, but the sacrifices of the Old Testament isn't. And here it is. He also noticed how the Old Testament speaks of multiple sacrifices. Even in the Old Testament, in, in the book of uh, in, in, in Psalm 40, when it says sacrifice and offering, it talks about the multiple sacrifice and offering, right? David was not just talking about one single sacrifice in mind or one single offering in mind. He's talking about the multitudes of the, the principle of the sacrifice and offering. Amen? So the author of Hebrews is pointing that out to us. And he's saying, remember what David said in the Old Testament? David was not talking about just one sacrifice or one offering. He's talking about multiple sacrifices and multiple offerings, right? But when he comes to Christ, he said, you don't have multiple sacrifices with Christ. Amen. You have only one sacrifice that Jesus has done for us. Amen. And he's telling us the reason why there are so many sacrifices in the Old Testament is because they're just insufficient. You offer an offering to God, but guess what? It's not good enough. Just a week later, next day, you sin again and you need a new offering to offer it to God. Amen? And every time you sin, you need to bring a new offering to God. What happened to the old offering? It's just not good enough. Amen? But with Christ, Jesus did not need to suffer multiple times since the foundation of the world. Amen? Look at this. Contrast verse 5 with verse 10, what the author of Hebrews telling us. He's saying it was impossible that the, the blood of goats and bulls, many goats, many bulls, it was impossible that they will take away sins. But how about Jesus? Look at verse 10, what he says. But Christ, he has offered himself and we are sanctified through the offering of the sacrifice of Christ. How many times? Once and for all. Amen. You can't say that about the Old Testament sacrifices. Amen. Because the blood of Jesus is sufficient. But the sacrifices of the Old Testament are not sufficient. Amen. Once and for all. One sacrifice. All what it took. To please the wrath of a holy and a righteous God over every single sin, every single human has ever committed throughout our history. Amen? This is powerful blood. Amen? And the author of Hebrews doubled down on that. He didn't stop there in verse 10 and he said once and for all. He elaborated on that. If you keep reading what he said right after that. Let's highlight a couple of things. Hebrews 10, 11 to 18. Here's what he said. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering how many times? Repeatedly. See the priest stand daily offering repeatedly on that um, on, on that when he... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading the different line. Yeah, repeatedly the same, the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, the Lord Jesus, amen? amen. He, after he had offered how many sacrifices? One, One sacrifices. For how many sins? For all the sins. For how long? For ever. One sacrifice for all the sins for all eternity. Amen? What happened to him? He sat down. Remember the priest has to stand up every single day? 
because his, his sacrifices are insufficient. Amen? Because, but because the blood of Jesus is sufficient, because his sacrifice is good enough to God the Father, now Jesus doesn't need to stand up like the rest of the priests. Amen? He sat down at the right hand of God. Amen? Yeah. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made, uh, are made under his footstool. Look at verse 14. For by how many offerings? One, One offering. He has did what? Perfected those who are being sanctified. Think about it. All the blood of the Old Testament sacrifices cannot take away one sin. Amen? But the blood of Jesus is not just took away our sin. It has made us perfect before the holy and the righteous God. Amen? And how many sacrifices Jesus need to offer to perfect us before God? One sacrifice, one time, forever. Amen? Yes. Amen. Verse 17. Then he adds... Because God now has forgiven us once and for all. Verse 17. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember um, no more. Now there is now that there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Because when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was enough that God will forgive us once and for all. There is absolutely no need, no more for any further sacrifices. Amen? Because sin sacrifice is enough to forgive us before a holy and a righteous God. And not only that, but to make us perfect, right? Yeah. And in verse 10, he said that he has sanctified us by this one offering. Amen? Yes. I love the book of Hebrews, don't you? This is just so good. Isn't the word of God so rich? It is so good. I love it. So that's why the blood of Jesus is far much better than all the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Number one, because God really never desired the Old Testament sacrifices. Amen? Number two, because God always, even in the Old Testament, has the plan in mind that He will replace all that insufficient system with the blood of Jesus that is all sufficient. Amen? Number three, because the cross has always been, will always be the center of the will of God for the falling human race. It's the only way you can be made right with God. Amen? And number four, because there was multiple sacrifices in the Old Testament that wasn't sufficient. But one sacrifice, one time Jesus died for our sins on the cross. It was good enough for a holy and a righteous God, not just to forgive us, but to sanctify us and perfect us for all eternity. I don't know about you. I'm very grateful this morning for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't we close our eyes and pray.